I was going to say this one, though, we should do, you should say who you are. You should say, I'm Marissa Ross, I'm the wine editor of Bon Appetit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and author of Wine All the Time, and then I can be like, I'm Sit Adam. Sit the fuck down! Former sommelier, now winemaker, yeah. and meme We realized that we didn't ever tell you who we are. Yeah. So I haven't had this many ventures yet. I've never had any of his wines. Seriously. You've never had any of I've wines? never tasted one of Evan Lewandowski's oh, wow. wines. Okay, okay. Oh, it's recording. Yeah, I've been recording. I'm tricky. Episode two. I'm one of your hosts, Marissa A. Ross, wine editor at Bon Appetit magazine, as well as the author of the book, Wine All the Time, The Casual Guide to Confident Drinking. And now I'd like to introduce my co-host, Adam Vuvuzabla. You are so much better at this than I am. Except I, you're better at saying your last name, probably. Yeah, I'm Adam Vuvulis. I am a former sommelier, now winemaker, and a meme person. I do memes on the internet and uh, t-shirts. Very, very cool t-shirts. He's actually just a meme. I'm just a meme, actually. When by meme person, he means that he was born on Reddit and has come alive. I never off thought Twitter. we'd make it to pod number two. I'm shocked. I feel like pod number two means we've got, we're going to pod number 100. We're going to pod billion. How many people? Joe Rogan is over a thousand. Not to say that we're Joe Rogan, but he's like Not over a thousand. Not to say that we aren't Joe Rogan. That's true. I, I got my bullet coffee right here. Yeah, and I, I was doing deadlifts earlier. Um, Speaking of bullet coffee. What? Oh, I, I was just going to pour wine instead. Oh, let's do that. That's much better. <laughs> so today we're going to be pouring the Ruth Lewandowski Rosé Cuvée uh, Zero 2017. Um, I'm assuming the zero just means zero anything added because that's how Evan Lewandowski rolls. I hope so. I hope it's not marketing. I don't think it's marketing. Evan Lewandowski is uh, a good man. Um, who I love dearly, but that's not why I love his wines. Although I haven't tried this one yet, so we're trying it for the first time together. Am I just realizing that the label is cut in the shape of Utah? I know, yeah, it's cool, right? I was always wondering what that notch was, and now I realize... I mean, I've never asked him, but... It, it's a state, it, right? It, it's Utah. It, well, Utah is a state that is correct. I've heard. I mean, I've been there like once. <laughs> um, but, so, I haven't had this new vintage. Um, it's from the Fox Hill Vineyard in California. Um, which is something really cool that Evan Lewandowski does. The Ruth Lewandowski wines currently are all now sourced in California. He grabs all his grapes in California and then takes them in a temperature-controlled truck to Utah where he then makes the wine, um, although he has um, started planting in Utah and his future is going to be yeah. in Utah. So it's really cool. He's, so his, his ultimate goal is to grow and produce in Utah exclusively? Yes, and is there, I don't know, I'm sure there are other people that grow grapes and do wine in Utah, but I am unfamiliar with I don't any know of it them. if they do. I think they're probably all Mormons and they probably hate me. It's weird though. I, I mean, it is true that we think of Utah as like this sort of anti, where like Louisiana, I feel like is like this pro-alcohol state. <laughs> and then you think of Utah. Moonshine like, and God. Yeah. And just Mardi Gras and tits. But you <laughs> and don't. God. Yeah. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Um, you don't think of um, Utah as a state really at all when it comes to alcohol. Like it's, you think of no, because they have those crazy laws and 
Do you know? I don't know. I, 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 I don't guess know enough about it. To know why. Like, I guess they can make wine. Yeah, they can make they can make wine anywhere. I, I mean, I, I've spoken with Evan about this, um, you know, in a uh, in a brief way. So I don't feel comfortable speaking um, fully on it. But what I can say about this wine is um, it's I can't. OK, I can't pronounce these grapes. You're going to pronounce them. Oh, um, I don't know. You're going to do a better job. It is unfined and unfiltered. So there's that. Now, wait, now you pronounce the grapes because I definitely can't. Sousao? So, so, I don't 65% know. 65% Sousao. which I think... Is a, it's a Portuguese. It's, it is Portuguese. It's Both Portuguese, of these are Portuguese. It's two Portuguese grapes. Um, so it's 65%. Forgive us. Sousao. <laughs> and then... Isn't Sousao, wasn't that uh, Kevin Federline's uh, hit single? I have no idea. Actually, that was Popo's out. I thought you would know that. Popo, I, I was not, by that time, by the time Kevin Federline was around, I was very in the saves today, so I didn't have time for. Oh, it was, was actually pretty good. Email. It was. It was like. Uh, it wasn't bad, okay. but it was Popo's out. Okay. Well, this is not Kevin Federline. Anyway. Oh wow! I just made like a really my voice. Okay. So, anyways, so sixty-five percent says Al. Don't know for. And then Taraga right. Nacional. Thirty-five percent. Yeah. What was the grape again? Taraga Nacional. You make me feel uncomfortable, Nacional. What did you used to do when you were a sommelier, Adam? I would say it poorly, and then somebody would correct me, and then I would say, typically they would be of European descent, and I would say something incorrectly in French or in Spanish or Italian, and they would have a thick American accent, or like so a thick French, Italian, or Spanish accent, and they would say, uh-uh, you know, uh, Bourgogne, and I'd be like, Bourgogne, and I'd be like, Borgen, yeah. and they'd be like, oh, Bourgogne, and I'd say something along the lines of like, you know, pronounce this American English American yeah. word, and they'd be like, "Hello, and hamburger." Like, yeah, I'd be like, "It's hello," and they'd be like, "Hello," and they'd be like, "See, it doesn't really matter. We understand each other, and it's yeah. working out okay." Something embarrassing talking about begonia and uh, not being able to pronounce regions. When I was doing the audio book for my book. Yeah. It literally took me an hour to say begonia because I kept wanting to go into this Julia Child like. Bourguignon, <laughs> and it's like it's not, it's not Bourguignon. Like it's not, it's not. That's well, not, beef Bourguignon is beef Bourguignon is a thing, but like that's not the same as Bourgogne. Yeah. No, do you think? I mean, do you think that ultimately, like, I know that some people are really hyper, hyper. Um, they think language is like this incredibly important thing, right? Well, language is very important, but they think, yeah, but they think that like if you can't pronounce something properly, in uh, in some ways almost means that you don't understand the wine or you don't understand the thing. But you're right. Language is extremely important. And we're going to get to that right after we tell you a little bit about this wine, which was a great segue. It's rosé. It's rosé, but it's a really dark, beautiful rosé. Um, it's almost like a light red. My boss, Adam Rappaport at Bon Appetit, which you should get a subscription to so they don't fire me, um, would love this. Do you do you know uh, if it's uh, Sanye or if it's you know I don't know the method. I actually don't know. So I um I just bought this today at Lou Wine Shop in Los Feliz, and um I don't have the tech sheet on me, and the website unfortunately um on the Ruth Lewandowski site does not say what the, the what it is for this new vintage. I feel like it looks like Sanye. Yeah, me too. I agree. It, the, and this is something... Should I text him real quick? Yeah, do it. This is the best. But I would say something that like... This also goes like all these people who are wine professionals, they have to ex do... Uh, what we're doing right now, they do as well, right? They taste something and if they don't have 
the winemaker or a wine rep or the website available, they kind of have to guess as well until they get the information. Yeah. It's not like we by default know the answers to these things. It's, I guess we just know the questions to ask. Also, too, I mean, I, I do feel like it has like a definite um, senior quality to it. And color. The color, but also like the concentration of the flavor. So for those of you who are not familiar with uh, the Sanye method, am I saying it right? Sanye? Sanye? I believe so. Sanye? Sanye? So um, I can spell it for you. It's Sagney. It's Sagney. It's a Sagney method. <laughs> so um, what happens when you become 100 years old? You have... Sa- oh, no. Hold on. I got a good jug. Ready? Yeah. Hold on. Um, I was just going to say something about old ladies' boobs, and then it becomes... Wait, Saggy to the knee, saggy knee, saggy knee, Sanye. Never mind. It doesn't work as well as you think it's working, <laughs> but it's fine. Ninety nine percent of what I do. I said, "Hey, drinking the new rosé. Is it Sanye method or what's up?" Talking about it on the pod, lol. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> He's like, "What pod?" Um, so for those of you that aren't from, yeah, we're not actually going to interview people. We're just going to text them. Ooh, that'd be hilarious. Um, with we just pronouncing everything wrong. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the Sanye method, Sanye method, um, it's basically where a winemaker is making a red wine mm-hmm. and they bleed off some of the juice. Correct. And then that juice is then used to make a rosé, but then that makes that redder wine that they took the juice from more concentrated. Correct. Correct. And I, I think there are some people that... Right. So for for some for people out there... It is possible to blend white wine and red wine to make a rosé. Yes. That is not necessarily... Maybe... I think it's becoming more popular. It's Well, it, it was popular for conventional wine, and now it's becoming something that I feel like the natural wine community is embracing again. Absolutely. I mean, even like with... Uh, if you talk about like L'Octavon, yeah. like Alice from um, the Octavon Wines... Or, or co-fermenting white and red co- grapes. Yeah, and also like Patrick Sullivan, and a lot of the Australians are doing that. So um, I don't... I mean... I, these are, I believe these are both uh, red wines, though. I've ne- <laughs> so I've never had either one of these grapes yeah. um, alone. But that's like the really cool thing about natural wine. I feel like I'm constantly trying grapes that I've never heard of or, you know, seen before. Also, I know this isn't intentional, but I, I really am actually happy that we're showing that, like, it's okay to not know everything in wine. Dude, no one knows everything. That's just that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Things will always be the same. Things never be the same. Always yeah, be the same. Yeah, always be the same. I was trying to say something about how like you know, you'll know every you'll never Wait, know I'll, everything, I'll, I'll but like part, um, things are changing. Yeah, it's you know, same old faces. Blah, blah. We need to stop. This is embarrassing. <laughs> um so yeah, I think the wine's delicious. It does have a slightly is it slightly oxidative in just the ever so it is slightly oxidative in a very, very slight way, but it's still really good. Um, it's rich. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a rich rosé. I mean, it's definitely leaning on the light red side. I was going to say if I was tasted this blind, I would almost think it would be like a really unctuous. I can't believe I said that word. but I love that word. A really unctuous white. Like it's got the weight and texture of like a really rich. Yes, White wine. I would say that if I was blind tasting it, I would almost think it was a Sanye, Sanye, however the fuck you pronounce it. I can spell it. That's all that matters as a writer, except now I do podcasts and I probably should learn how to talk. <laughs> um, God, so much spit in my mouth right now. Um, 
if I think I, I think if I was blind tasting it, I'd almost think it was a Sennier method from France, like yeah, you know absolutely. something Syrah, like a Syrah Morvedra, totally. you know, totally, like totally, kind of a more classic. Not um, me. I would blind taste it and go uh, Portuguese varieties from Utah, and then I'd be like, it's not from Utah, actually. They're from California. It's a Fox Hill Vineyard. And be like, God, you're such an idiot. You you're such an idiot. That. You can't taste the Fox Hill Vineyard and the Utah vinification. Do you even know what terroir is? Do you even know? Do you even know what California tastes like when it's fermented in fucking Utah? Your glasses say Chef and Sommelier on it. My, oh wow, they do. I got these from. Um, wow, they no. do. They legitimately say Chef Ampersand Sommelier. That's the name of my new restaurant. I'm just gonna. It's it's gonna be called. Chef and sommelier. And well, ampersand restaurants are so popular. Are they still? Yeah, they are. I think so. I, I saw someone make a joke about it. These are, this wine is good. I mean, we're already, uh, not to, don't listen. Uh, don't listen who? Everyone knows son. what we drink. I don't want to hear him how, like 20 years in the future. He's like, my dad used to get drunk and make jokes about grandma's saggy tits. <laughs> uh, we're like halfway, we've already poured like half of this bottle because it's so delicious. Yeah, but also too, you got to remember that a bottle of wine only has four point two 4.5 glasses is in the, it. the um the according st- i believe to his me. name is stanko 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 radicon yeah yeah of the radicon wines believes that the appropriate amount of wine for one per- person during um, like a, sitting down for a meal is 500 milliliters and, yeah that's about that's about three glasses and he believes that the appropriate for two is obviously a thousand milliliters so i believe all of his bottles are 500 ml or a thousand ml yes it's unfortunate that many of his wines just aren't drinkable yeah and he does extra small corks but i don't, he does. I don't know why his wines are either like super super special or like you just want to kill yourself you're like because uh, you just spent like two hundred dollars yeah on you're like uh, stanko is his name stanko stinko i think it's stanko stanko you're like stanko yeah <laughs> which is such like a George Costanza, or not George Costanza? What's uh, what's his dad's name? I don't know. How do we know? Serenity now. Yeah, that Serenity guy? now. Yeah, Ben Stiller's dad. You know, yeah. everyone's dad. I feel Stanko! like I feel like he would be into natural. He like if have you seen like Seinfeld of the future? Yes. I they need to do an episode where Kramer gets into natural wine, okay. and then I also feel like George's dad would get into natural wine. And then they would fight about it like they did the man's ear. I think like that they would, would be- fight about they would fight about the terminology of what natural wine probably is. I mean, there's a lot of that going on right now. I feel like I'm Frank. Frank Costanza. Frank Costanza. Serenity now. Frank, what, what would Frank's definition of natural wine be? And what would Kramer's definition of natural wine be? Kramer's would be like, it's a feeling like you drink it and you just know. Yeah. And Frank would be like, no, it's. It's, actual technical terms. Frank would be like, Frank would be like, it's grappa. <laughs> so what is, what is your definition of natural wine? So yeah, segueing back into what we were going to segue, uh, talking about the importance of language today, um, excluding whether or not you can pronounce regions and grapes correctly, because that's just not fair. But talking about um, the definition of natural wine is so hard. Because it really does mean, one, it is ambiguous, and two, there isn't an actual definition, and three, it means so many different things to so many people. For me personally, my ideal of natural wine is nothing added, nothing taken away, whether that be in the vineyard or in the cellar, ideally. But I also am not against small amounts of sulfur, so added at bottling. Um, I'm definitely against sulfur in, in the vineyard, 
but do you think intention ever comes into natural wine? So like that could mean anything. What, what do you mean? When I mean intention, I mean so let's say um, I'm starting my wine and I have a goal to be natural, and that is somewhere that I want to reach, but I can't immediately because maybe I can't buy the like I've of struggled course. with like buying organic vineyards or learning, and so there's growth. So do you start off? the discussion is being a natural winemaker or do you wait until you actually are a natural winemaker is I, intention does intention come into play i think it does but i also think that in terms of i also think that just not using the word natural at all is great because there it, it's wine it should be treated as wine i i actually don't love the conventional versus natural arguments, even though those are absolutely necessary for what we do. But, you know, it's wine. It's wine. And I think the intention is very, very important. But, you know, you need to also realize the intention behind the words that you're using. So if you're doing major filtrations or fining or whatever, don't use the word natural because it's, it's, I think, disingenuous. Of course, intention counts, but I think you have to be very careful with the words that you're using, especially as natural wine um, grows grows and is having a current moment of yeah, I, trendiness. I actually personally, I, I prefer, I think natural wine is the default. Like I feel like wine is natural wine. So if I say wine, I'm referring to natural yeah. wine. And I think anything other than that is the exception. But, what's your, but what is your definition of natural wine? I think yours is pretty spot on. I, I, I believe first and foremost, the vineyards have to be... Um, Completely organic or biodynamic. Absolutely. Um, second, I think that you have to... With dry farming. I think that dry farming, unless... well, In California, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah, in Italy too last year. Okay, I take that back. But but dry farming is is definitely... I don't think it defines natural wine, though. I think dry as farming as, is a very, very important part of it, though. You know, it's so funny, though, because so many people think that natural wine means that it's hands off in the cellar, but really what it means is so many more no, hands in the, the cellar. No, the most hands in the cellar. Right, it's so Zero funny. hands in the vineyard and, like, lots and lots and lots of hand actual handwork in the cellar. Yeah, like, it's funny because I feel like people think that natural... I think we touched on it last time. We were like, oh, just... It's a crock pot. Yeah, but, like, natural wine actually needs the most amount of... Yes. For it to be for it to be well crafted. You have to constantly be making sure that everything's going okay because you're so susceptible to stuff going wrong. Absolutely. And you have no technology really or no alter thing to fix it. Pause. Evan Lewandowski got back to us. He says, Hootie hoo. <laughs> and now there's dots. All right, maybe I should have waited. I didn't I didn't know. No, no, it's okay. I think it's funny though that he said hootie hoo. I fucking love Evan. I can't believe I can't believe you hadn't had his wines before. No, yeah, I've just never had the opportunity. I don't really go out very often. Yeah, I don't but he buy was like three. He was like three tables down from you at Brumaire. I mean, you did have your kid there and your wife, and you were busy. But was he really? Yeah. I only know. I only saw shout out Joe Swick. He was right yeah. next to me. No, yeah, well, shout out Joe Swick, who's in town right now. We should have interviewed him. Oh, why didn't we? He's at he's at Apero right now. Oh. So it's not okay. <clears throat> so. We got the official hootie who and info from Evan Lewandowski. He says, nah, B, that's direct press. Can't press it quick enough. Suzao is a dark, tannic, acidic mother. Mm, yum, I say. Thank you. There you go. Direct press. We yeah, were wrong. Yeah, direct press. I can, I can admit we were wrong. when I'm wrong. We were wrong, but that's okay. 
Zizu, I swear on my fucking life, dude. I'm in this fucking meeting today, and they're like, why didn't you bring your dog? Go to fucking Italy. They're like, where's your dog? He's right here being an asshole. He wants to be on the pod. Zizu, I don't want you on the pod. Fuck <laughs> on out of here. Um, so he's making this wine with the intention uh, of making rosé. Yeah, I mean, he calls it a rosé. It is a rosé. No, I guess what I mean is it's he's buying grapes and, and picking and direct press, and he's using, he's like rosé. And he's yes. not using this for anything else. It doesn't sound like it. He said, that's why I love it. Herbal, structured, sappy, ageable. I agree with him. Thank you, Evan, for your quick response. So back to... I can't wait for somebody in our comments to mention how we're wrong about stuff. I'm really excited about that. Oh, they're... Like well, but that's what's... But, but it's, and it's okay. Okay. Which kind of goes back to what we're talking about. It's actually okay to be wrong about things because it's absolutely impossible to remember everything all the time about wine. Wine Not is Not according a, to the master sommeliers. <laughs> well, I mean, they might be able to like... Whatever. For me, I think that it's... Um, I think if you're being realistic, it's physically impossible for a human to remember everything at all times. And, you know, especially when you're being put on the spot, whatever. But it's okay to be it's okay to be wrong about whatever. Like you can be wrong as long as you're willing to say, "Yeah, I was wrong." Like, and you're not like an asshole about it. What you can't be wrong about, I don't think, is what you define your wines as. So, like for example, you know, we're talking about the ambiguity of the definition of natural. You know, there does still need to be purpose behind that word and, and, and talking about intention, there has to be intention behind that word. You can't use the word natural for whatever you want, you know, no, and you can't come up to me or anybody and say, well, I mean, isn't everything natural because no. that's not how this works. No. And also too, it's, it's someone that has made a career by talking about wine in a way that most people don't talk about wine. That does not mean that I don't respect the common language that gives us the possibility to have conversations about wine because we, you know, that's, there has to be a commonality in our language so we can have conversations, not only conversations to bridge, you know, information, but also conversation, you know, just about wine in general. Like there has to be common language. There also has to be less of a fear of asking a winemaker. Sometimes I feel afraid, not afraid, but I ask a winemaker and I'm like, what are your practices? And it's like there's almost reluctance to say everything because they're afraid. You think so? I get it sometimes. I mean, I understand it too. Like there's there's reluctance because you're afraid of judgment. And because there is this ambiguous with natural. So they might go to a bar or restaurant and say they're natural. I think that there's a little bit of fear, right? Because you go to one shop or you go to one restaurant or one wine bar and their their definition of what they think wines that they're okay with pouring is different than the next appointment that they go to. So they have to be... And if you're like a traveling winemaker and you're in a new city that you've never been to before, you're in a big account and you don't know everybody and this rep is taking you around and you're meeting all these people and you know, one account is asking if your vineyards are organic and then the next account is asking if you add sulfur and then the next, next account is asking if you filter or not. And each one kind of has their own definition. So there's reluctance to give information directly because you're waiting to find out who that account, what they care yeah. about. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. I think though that like, 
for example, we asked Evan Lewandowski what this wine was. Yeah. I asked him if it was Sagne, 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 whatever. <laughs> Sagini. Sagni. It's Saginis. I asked him that. Now, I don't think that a winemaker would flat out lie and be like, yeah, it is, if he thought that that was what I wanted to hear. No, I'm and not it, saying they're lying. No. And I think that that's, I mean, I think there's a difference between a winemaker um, posturing themselves, yeah. which is what I think you're talking about, versus what what we're trying to get out, which is the importance of common language. I think it's really important if we're trying to move natural wine and just, as we said, wine forward with education, we do have to have respect to language in some way. Like we do have to have respect for the definitions that are already in place and make sure that we are correctly describing the wine so that the consumer can understand it. Because so much of wine is already, yeah, but no. Like, yeah, well, kind of so, depends. So when uh, Frank Cornelison was in town maybe a year ago, maybe last time I... Uh, when I took that sick picture of you guys? Yeah, last time I saw him. And there had been a sort of a ongoing... I'm in a group chat with a bunch of super, super natty guys. And one of the things that came up was his wines recently about them being cleaner or less... So much. Rick Sanchez and dude. This is this is where Rick and Morty comes in. <laughs> Our last episode was all about Kanye, and this one we just burp like Rick Sanchez the entire time. <laughs> um, less so that his wines had gotten cleaner, but that people professionally had started saying his wines had gotten cleaner. And so because But I, I think that his wines did get cleaner. Well, because I have no filter, the first I'm like, oh hey Frank, how's it going? Why are your wines cleaner? Immediately, right? And his uh the rep behind was like Totally embarrassed that I you have couldn't no see it, but he was he was doing the hand the to kill the, sign, the, the sign kill, kill sign to your neck. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, I started filtering. I started doing minor filtering." And the fact that a he was honest about it, I thought was kind of cool. Great, but b he never the the one thing that I didn't like though was like so his wines were getting cleaner, and he wasn't like, "Hey, by the way, maybe he was, but nobody heard it." I started filtering. So, but why would he just? But why would he? But this goes back to your point of the the posturing of yeah winemakers. I don't. I'm gonna allow my reputation to continue. You know, but it also depends on like this is why natural wine is like such a mindfuck because it also depends on what kind of filtering. Well, he said minor, and if you look at his wines, it's still they're still like. This is why again, this is why natural wine is so hard, and why it also doesn't have a definition because you know there are some things that people can do. Ask that, ask Evan if this one is filtered. It's not. It's on the back of the label. It says not filtered? It says, yeah, it says unfined and unfiltered. Can you ask him how many times you racked? Oh, man. Yeah. We're doing a a text message interview. I love it. So this is the the hard thing about natural wine, but I don't really, I don't, when we decided to do it, well, we wanted this episode, (laughs) it's only episode two, so we're so... We are only, we can also, uh, Marissa, just, we can also, we can, we have Well, I think we need to stick to like the, the deaf, I think we need to move away from the definition of natural wine because we're never going to come to a clear position on that. We need to focus on like the other language around it. So people, you're talking about people appropriating the language of natural wine. Yes. When it's not natural. Exactly. Or maybe bending the rules to kind of fit what they're doing. And I think on the one hand, like I, I'm not super dogmatic about 
natural wines because I do want winemakers to be making the best wine possible. And sometimes that does not fit into nothing added, nothing taken away, nothing done to it. Like that doesn't work, you know? There's a small amount of people in the world that have the luxury to truly do that. And when they do that, I mean, that's like, you know, Danilo Marcucci who did the Conocibula del Safa wines and um, a ton of Italian wines, you know, he is like the type of person that he feels his wine is a little too bitter. So he gets in every single fire fiberglass vat and pulls out all the green seeds. So there's no technology used, but it's, so it's still a natural wine, but he's doing it, you know, he's making it better. Wait, he hand picks out. Oh yeah. He, he's crazy. He, he went through like 12 vats, like fiberglass vats to pull out all the green seeds because it was becoming too bitter out of out of one of his wines in the 2017 vintage because he's so against technology. But that's like the sort of thing is like, okay, you know, there's, there's, there's. Cr- Has he ever heard of like a net on a pole? He doesn't. He's, he's, I, I, like listen, I, I, I like cannot pool, speak for Danilo Marcucci. A pool skimmer? I know. Yeah. We should send him one for his birthday. <laughs> um, no. So, so, I mean, um, I think, where was I going with this? You know, there. So the luxury, really, the, lu- the, lu- the, lu- the luxury, or like the luxury, or the dedication to make yeah. really great natural. But that's wines. why that's why those wines are so expensive too, right? They're not that expensive. Not They're his like, wines in particular, but I'm saying when you have those sort of those wines where all of that culminates can be on the price. Well, I think side. that also goes back to the like how much of a luxury is it for you, and how much of it is a dedication. There are some people, you know, that they just get to like, they got their land given to them by their family. And like, yeah. now they get to make great wine and like, they don't really have to worry about it. This is the Rick Sanchez uh, episode. The Rick Sanchez episode. Uh, Marty, Marty. I gotta uh, tell uh, you, Marty. Oh, uh, geez. Oh, geez, Rick. Oh, geez. Natural wine is all bullshit. And the universe is going to kill us all. Oh, geez, Adam. Um, I like it when Marty gets mad. You know oh, geez. No, he's like, you know what? Fuck you, Summer. Like yeah. when he's like, really like. No, yeah, yeah. He's great. I can't do a good more. I actually I need to work on it. When I'm sick, I sound so much like Rick. It's amazing. Like I almost wish I was sick more. <laughs> um, but no. So so okay. So so the nat- the word the definition of natural is so um, all over the place. But the words that we use to describe a wine and the techniques those need to be somewhat in place. Like you cannot like. You cannot call this a Seigneur. Like, I can't just say, I can't just decide that this is a wine, this is a Seigneur wine when it's a, when it's direct, direct press. press. Right. We can't be like, no, you know what? We're going to call it Seigneur. Yeah. Seigneur. Saginy grandma wine. Um, and I think that, I think it's really important. And I think that that's why it's also important for things like, you know, I wrote this thing for BA about, um, I wanted to move away from calling them orange wines and I want to call them skin contact wines because they're not all orange and it's confusing for the consumer to call them orange wines because then they just think the actual color should be fucking orange when that's not the case. And I think it's the same for all language. Like we have to find this language and actually respect the common language so that we can educate consumers and they can understand things. But there's, I mean, that's the big, like another discussion though is the the marketing. I think we touched on it a little bit, but like the marketing of 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 natural wine and how natural wine is sort of entering this new this new place where it's not a huge part of the wine market as far as like 
a global scale, but it's getting to a point in these major markets where people are starting to market themselves in, as whether it's a natural wine restaurant or a natural wine um, uh, retail store or bar or something. And then you go in and you're like, wait a minute, like maybe some of these are natural, but it's not like. Not fully. Like even like we, I was at Vini Berry in Italy. Yeah. And there was wines there with like 80, 90 parts per million sulfur. Yeah. Which that's, doesn't, I mean. That just doesn't really work. Like even. Whatever your definition of natural wine is. It's like 80, 90 parts per million sulfur is like. There's some natural winemaker who's listening to this right now. That's like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. It's, that's he, like, fuck you guys. He, yeah, he's either like, fuck or fuck you. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. Like you, like I said, I'm not against small sulfur adage at bottling. Like if it's the, if it's, if, if adding 10 parts per million you know, sulfur to your wine is going to make the difference between it being able to travel across the fucking globe and for me to be able to drink it so or not. Like, maybe have, do it. I have a story from my winemaking experience. So, uh, my last vintage, um, I moved vineyards and I went to Paso Robles because I make Zinfandel and I, I don't know if people like Paso Robles Zinfandel is sort of, you know, people think Turley and I think Turley and I, there, there, yes. there's like a historic sort of Paso Robles and Zinfandel are sort of historic for me. I think that that's own, true. And so I was last year, I didn't do Paso this year. I wanted to make sure I did Paso and what's Paso, but really fucking hot. So my grapes were a lot riper this year, even like picking so zinfandel is an unevenly ripening grape so when you get your bricks which is sugar um it it is a it is, you're you're taking random samplings from the vineyards and so when you i got my random you know you get your bricks measurement and it was the same bricks amount as last year but there was way more shriveled grapes in this harvest than my previous and i'm assuming it's because of the paso and is that evan I have a. <laughs> he had Scanlon. So our friend Chris Scanlon is a rep for um, Sylvester. Wait, he had Chris Scanlon hit you up? Yes. Yeah, so the rep is hitting Yeah, <laughs> well, they're in, the, they're in the car together. So I asked Evan Lewandowski if, um, if, um, about racking. And um, he's with his rep, uh, Chris Scanlon, who's a rep for Sylvester Rovine, who does um, Evan's, the Ruth Lewandowski wines. Um, <laughs> I love them. Um, Isn't Chris Scanlon a, a winemaker too? Yes. So Chris Scanlon says that... The, I love how we are all over the place in this one. It's all right. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. One day we'll get it right. Anyways, the uh, Ruth Lewandowski uh, Cuvée Rosé Zero 2017 that we're currently drinking is whole cluster, direct press, no juice racking, native ferment, native ML... No SO2 and racked once prior to bottling. I knew it was racked, though. Well, it was racked, yeah. That's the psalm in me. Sorry. Yeah, we knew it was racked. Fuck you. I didn't know any of that, but I knew it was racked. We knew it was racked. <laughs> well, it had to be racked. It's, it's too clear. It's yeah. too clear. But in a good way. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay. So, Zinfandel. So, they, don't, they don't ripen at the same time. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unevenly ripening grape, and I had a lot more shriveled grapes. So even though my, my bricks were the same as last vintage, when they came in, I realized, fuck, this is a riper vintage than last vintage. Um, I don't do um, anything to the wine. I, it's natural. It's, so it's native yeast, and we don't add any sulfur. And... I wanted the wine, the, waiting for the wine to go through mallow, and it was it was sticking, and so there was potential for there to. Why don't be, you explain what that might mean? 
So there's it, well, the, well, so malolactic fermentation is a, is a different fermentation. It's a so secondary fermentation. Correct. So there's the first fermentation, which is to make it alcoholic, and then there's it's where the yeast eats the sugar and farts out alcohol. CO two and alcohol. Yeah. And then there's the malolactic fermentation, which I am not a scientist, so I can't really go into great detail what exactly is happening. It goes very, much slower than the other fermentation. Yes. And it can actually sometimes take pe- up to years. And many people believe that malolactic fermentation is an essential part of natural winemaking. Right. And a lot of white wines, they halt and prevent mallow from happening. Yes. Which some natural wine people are like, nah, nah, they mean, that means it's not a natural wine. But that's that's debatable. That's that, part that of the just question. goes that goes up and that goes into the ambiguous cloud of natural wine. So as my wine is going and it looks like it could stick and it looks like there could. What be do you mean by stick? Like stick is stop in for, stop like the, fermentation. The fermentation okay. could stop. The malolactic and, fermentation or yeah, the okay. And I was worried about because I try and release early. I try and I try and have a young wine, and so I'm not looking to have a wine sit in barrel. Or in or in tank for two years to finish Malibu. No, you gotta get them dollars. I just I, yeah, I just I'm don't have the budget. It. I just don't know. It's true though. I don't have the budget to do it. So I start asking my winemaker friends what options I have. What they, you know, do you want to get you want to get opinions. So I start asking around people who are natural winemakers what they they would do in this scenario. You even I mean you even asked me and I'm yeah. not, I'm not a natural winemaker. Just and saying that I'm so important. some people said filter. Some people said. SO2. Some people said wait. So like everybody had their own sort of like... I think I asked you, what do you want, Adam? Money. I know. And I was like, just do the SO2. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like everybody... No, I don't remember what I actually told you to do. Everybody had their own sort of... I think... And then, you know, I had my, uh, my super natty friends, which is actually what we ended up doing, which is bottle. Yeah. And let there be a little bit of CO2 from the finishing of fermentation in the bottling and roll with it. And it turned out great. Yeah, and I, it actually I mean, worked it, out the, really the, well. The alcohol is insane on it. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fucking wine, up. dude. Yeah. No, it's like a fucking wine. It's like the wine that you're like, all right, I'll have one glass of this after dinner and then I'm totally getting laid. Like, I'm like, I could have sex with it. That's not true. I don't, I don't, that sound, okay. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna walk away from that. Edit it out. No, that's fine. You can leave that. You can let people know that I'm into having sex. With anybody. With Any, any, after one glass of Zinfandel. One glass of Zinfandel. Marissa Ross will fuck you. <laughs> oh, hi, Ben. He knows. <laughs> that's why there's no Zinfandel in this house. No Zinfandel allowed. No, oh. actually, Ben's like, well, wait. Where's the Where's Zinfandel? the Zinfandel? He's like, actually, it only takes Marissa like a couple glasses and a good plate of pasta. I'm like, yeah. All right, I'm just making it sound like I'm yeah. not such a slut. And our, I started dating Ben when I was 23, and we've been together for nine years. And, and a Rick and Morty slut, episode. I yeah, we actually watch Rick and Morty every night during dinner. It's How is that possible? Aren't you tired of it yet? No. You know what? I, I, there's I, so much to learn. Have I told you Kate and I are going through Sabrina the Teenage Witch? No, that's not. It is so fucking bizarre. I'm sure it is. We got to stay on track, though. I'm not, I'm not willing to get off track for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Anyway, so. This is a Kanye, Rick and Morty, and wine podcast. I, I don't want to talk about Kanye. We can't. Well, we cannot talk about Kanye because we're trying to regain our lives. Yeah. I Kanye has destroyed us over the last two weeks. Yeah, I can't do it. Okay. And, anyways, I love Zinfandel. I'm fucking. So what I was saying is, <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a Joe Swick label. Right? Um, I feel like it's already a Joe Swick label. Yeah. Um, so I would, 
so you ask all these people and they all have their own opinion and and that's where like this definition is allowed to be loose right is they all have their own ideas but they all fit within parameters of course but that's why the definition of natural wine is allowed to be flexible and ambiguous but not the actual things like you can't say that like you can't say oh i um uh, you can't say unfiltered and then have it be and then filtered and then have it be filtered you can't say native yeast and then inoculate yeah. or even really add nutrients. No, exactly. So I guess my point is more like we need to have respect. Like natural wine is a ambiguous term that is, I think, always going to be um, a bit nebulous. Much like, I don't know if you guys saw the Rick and Morty episode where um, Jermaine from Fly the Concords is the gaseous gases right and morty has this like his, moral his obligation to, to save him yeah and his name is fart and he yeah. sings the moon man song yeah. goodbye and who's the guy moon um, man alexander Kerbopoulos, is that his name What's yes his name? yeah the for sure. the bounty hunter yeah i don't know that sounded right i don't know if that's some wine. something Kerbopoulos. yeah but anyways the point is that um you know it's Art. nebulous Natural wine is a natural wine is a definition. Natural wine is a definition is a nebulous fart that's always going to be changing depending on who's farting it out. Um, but the the terms that we use to describe natural wine, the terms that we use to define technique, I think are important and should be respected and should be something that we all know. Like it's like I say this in my book, but I'm like, you know. I can be like, yo, this this white gel is dope, dude. And like, that's fine. But at the same time, that's not going to help me. You weren't like, this Zweigelt is. I can't think of anything. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, it's not going to help you, like, in terms of, like, having a conversation about filtration, for example. You know, <laughs> like, you this have Zweigelt to be. is dope and unfiltered, but it's filtered. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the. <laughs> Where are the two? Sorry, that was me farting. Yeah. Goodbye, Moon Man. Um. <laughs> Morty was so into it. Did he have the hots for that fart? Oh, yeah, I did. Was he like sexually attracted? I don't to think. That he, fart? Stop. No, Morty's only sexually attracted to the sex doll that he impregnated. And, anyways. No, and what's Absorb, her name? Absorb. Oh, and, and um, Jessica. Jessica. I was supposed to be named Jessica, but instead I was named Marissa. So it all worked out. Um, you only like me when I'm unhealthy. I, such a good episode. That's how I feel about, I only like me when I'm unhealthy. Um, natural wine as a definition is a nebulous fart that depends on who's fucking farting it out. But the def, the words and the definitions that we use for the techniques. Basically, and, bitch, own up to your shit. No, but the, yeah, because those words are important. Those yeah. words are important. If and, you filter, fucking say you filter. Because transparency is better than, than, Absolutely. than, than, than lying. So earlier or, you asked, or appropriating words or appropriating words. It's better than appropriating words. You asked me about my definition of natural wine. It's basically the same. But one of the things that I always talk about um, in Goodbye, private. Bye, moon man. It's honesty. And I yeah. think honesty is the linchpin of natural winemaking. I think so too. But then going back to what you were talking about with intention, there can be great intention and still an appropriation of words. But if your intention and you're honest about your intention. Yes. And you, I just think that, I think as someone that, I agree with you. As someone though that my, I, I genuinely feel my job is to educate the consumer. It's impossible to educate the consumer if 
people, people are just using words for whatever they want. Absolutely. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a word that I could say about myself that is, also, you know, I'm a magician. I'm just going to go start. I'm going to be like, Hey everybody. So I'm a magician. And they're like, do some magic. And I'm like, Marissa, I want to see a magic trick right now. I love magic. And I'm like, all right. I'm going to open this bottle of wine and tomorrow I'll have an article for you. There's my magic. <laughs> and they're like, wait, that's not magic. That means you're a writer. And I'm like, does it? Because it's sort of magic. I'm kind of a magician. I just think that we do have to have a common language and we have to be able to understand. We have to be able to understand the techniques that we're talking about and understand the things that we're talking about and um, educate the consumer on those things because words, not all words are, are nebulous. You know, like some words mean very definite things. And if we don't stick to those things, then they mean nothing. Couldn't somebody make the argument, though, that then if natural wine is nebulous, but natural wine, as I'm natural saying, wine that, is a philosophy. I can't believe we drank this whole bottle. Why not? We drink this much all didn't, the time. I don't know, because I feel like in our last podcast, we we're like, we don't have to drink the whole bottle. And then no oh, one ever said that. I think I might have. I think. I thought you were just joking. I mean, like, <laughs> no. It turns out that this podcast is us just drinking the whole bottle. I'm sorry, but two glasses of wine in an hour is pretty fucking normal. Well, what about all the fucking cocaine that you brought, Marissa? Well, that's our business. <laughs> no one else's business. All right. You know how hard it is going to be to edit out every three minutes. I thought I think it might be hard to edit out all the all the burps. all the burps. Yeah. And all the goodbye, <laughs> Moon Man, which is not even my favorite song from the show, but it's I know, fine. You like Get Swifty? I do like Get Swifty. Like barely a song. Hey. But it's because when I'm sick, oh, I can really do it. You sound like Rick. I'm like, hey, take off your pants and your panties, shit on the floor. But I'm not sick right now, so it doesn't sound as good. Um, uh, I So natural wine <laughs> is the, right, like, but, but like the point is like the but the point is uh, we know that natural wine is this ambiguous thing. I think that I, like I said, I just want to stop calling it natural wine and just call it fucking wine. I would love to do that, but then that but but the 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 the, the consumer is not there yet. And just like I want everyone to know that the other stuff. Yeah, but the that's not. The how do they not, know the not natural wine is the stuff that we need? To yeah, but, label. The, but 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 of course, but they don't label it. I mean, it says like. You know, quail, quail Boogers. creek on it or oh, whatever. Quail. Is that a quail stuff? Uh, quail, quail stuff. Quail, 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 quail. Are you quail into place. wine and, and golfing and and two dollar wine and tiki torches? Come on down to quail stuff uh, by Kanye West, wine, one of his three hundred properties in Calabasas. We're gonna, we're gonna. I like drink how I said properties. 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 Um. No, I just think that, that we need to have, um, we need to have. Like we, when the fuck though is Franzia or whoever going to put on their box wine the word natural I'm and it's sure. really going to fuck. But, the, but, but. Like that's going to fuck but everything. That's, but that's not the point. Like natural is always good. I think that natural is going to always be this ambiguous thing. Whereas what we have to be careful of is the other words that describe specific techniques and specific definitions of natural wine being appropriated. Do you remember when health food stores were called natural food stores? Of course. And then, I, for whatever but, reason, but they I went mean, away like, and they went to health. Could we just call it health wine? 
No, I don't know why you're harping on the natural thing. Like, I'm talking about like like the misuse of things like Sansouf or the misuse of Petalent Naturel or the misuse of, or not even like these people, I'm sure like they have great intentions, but the road to hell was paved to good. Li- good intentions. God damn it. That was, I was on one. It could have been good. It could have been sharp. It could have been poignant. <laughs> no, I know. I, so, I agree so with you. I, my thing is, is someone that writes for the consumer. My job is a write for the consumer. How do I teach people about natural wine to get them to a point where they understand that it is just wine? If the words of the techniques and all of these important things that surround natural wine are being used willy nilly. I just think that words that have to do with technique or, you know, just this common language that actually ties wine making um, together and makes us able to have conversations that we all understand. Those definitions need to be respected. And if you're an, a, a quote unquote natural winemaker and out of the five wines you make, two of them don't fit the definition, I think it's okay to say these three wines do. These three wines are natural wine. These two, I'm, I'm not there yet. Of course. And, and, and I will get there. And I don't think that us as buyers or me previously as a buyer or us as consumers are going to hold that against the winemakers for being honest. About no, I'd it. much rather someone be honest than not. And also too, there's nothing wrong with saying you're low intervention. You know, like I think that, well, which is another ambiguous term. It is very ambiguous. It's like sustainable. I flush toilets. No, but I think low intervention is better than sustainable. Because low intervention at least implies that Implies you're, that you're trying. Low interve- See, going back to what you said earlier about the intention, I think low interve- if you say that you're low intervention, that implies the intention that you are pursuing natural wine with whether or not you're there or not. And like I said, I want great wines. I want great wines made by people that care about them. And sometimes nature doesn't allow for that, you know, and I would, I would much rather a winemaker add some sulfur bottling or do a little bit of irrigation than lose their entire crop, you know, or like lose an entire vintage. No, motherfucker, it's a business. It's That's, a business. It's a business. It's got to be, it can't be sustainable just in toilet flushing. It's got to be sustainable financially. Correct. It, uh, you can't uh, be the greatest winemakers if you're out of business. If you, <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> moon man. You can't. You have to be in business. You have to stay in business. You have to stay in business, yeah. And you can't grow. You can't do anything. Yeah. Let's talk about, okay, let's, let's find a... What else did you say? You said, was it just this, the definition of natural, or was there another suggestion? Hold no, on. no, no, no. Well, I want to talk about the language, which I'm going to ask you a question about. Okay, cool. Let's go. Adam, what are some words that you think are being misused in wine currently? Oh, that's interesting. So what are people saying? Well, first and foremost, I think we, we've, we've hit on the word sustainable. Yes, sustainable, but I think sustainable is a word like natural, whereas purposefully ambiguous and kind of, it, it's a philosophy, but I think that we know that sustainable is more of a marketing tool than See, anything. And I feel low intervention. You mentioned low intervention, but I feel low intervention is kind of falls in that same really? category. Yeah, because I don't know what that means when someone says low intervention. I feel like when someone says low intervention, it's it is touching upon the intention that you talked about. But did they inoculate with yeast? It depends. You got to ask. When some when a winemaker says that they did something low intervention, you're pretty much you're trusting the winemaker. As a buyer, or as a former buyer, when I would meet a winemaker, I would immediately respect the winemaker. Like immediately. I mean, usually respect is earned. So I would, I would immediately be like... I hope respect is always earned. 
No, but I'm saying <laughs> like they earned it immediately. If I meet a winemaker and like the first, like I'm like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I love your wines. And like the first things out of their mouths basically are we organic farm, we use native yeast, we don't filter, right? Like just yeah. right off the bat. Those are the first three things they say to me. Then I'm like, okay, from there I kind of understand where they're going. But if the first things they say to me are, we have we have limestone and schist. Yeah, we have schist in the vineyard. We do this kind of um pergola uh and we have a winemaker that has won many awards. Like yeah. that kind of shit is like you're not telling me really anything about your wine. But that's not misappropriating words, though. That's just them kind of... Avoiding situations. Avoiding, avoiding the words. So the words, I think, aren't necessarily words that they... It's, it, it's, it's more words they avoid to talk about or use as opposed... To, I don't know how often people are lying to me as a mo, uh, more as... All the time. Constantly. Uh, or it's people intentionally not bringing up topics of conversation. But then that goes back to the posturing. Yeah, it's it's like um, trying really hard to make it so that I don't bring like like you're trying to you know how you're a magician. Yes, it's like it's the smoke and mirrors. I did actually go to magic classes when I was a kid. I kind of was into magic. It's the smoke and mirrors. I think I think the concept of terroir is smoke and mirrors. You think the concept of terroir is smoke and mirrors? Yeah, I do. Wait, you're not terroir. You don't believe in terroir. I vaguely believe in terroir. Really? I think that the winemaker is far, far more important. Yeah, but the but ter- but the but but the terroir depends so much on what the winemaker wants to do with it. That's I think uh, the concept of terroir to me is like the pigment of a paint color. So you can have highly, you can have really high quality okay. pigmented paint, but if your artist is crap, you're going to make crap painting. But if your artist is really, really incredible, they're going to make incredible paintings. So to me, pigment, I don't look at paintings and go, pigment. I look at paintings and see the whole picture. And I think with wine, it's the same thing. So yeah, I I don't believe in terroir. But that's not saying that you don't believe in pigment. No, I believe in pigment. But also pigment, but but I think that actually that's, I think that that is interesting because pigment (laughs) in color, you know, um, an artist can decide how much they want out of that. I just, I personally believe that terroir is like, terroir is the one thing that a, that a, that a commercial winery, that can change the color of a wine, that can change the way a wine tastes, that can change how a wine feels, you know, texturally. The one thing that a commercial laboratory, you know, can't figure, like can't make, they can't rep, they can't replicate terroir and like minerality. I'm not saying, no, so, I'm, I'm not saying that. So, like, I'm not saying terroir isn't. You said that terroir like basically wasn't that like wasn't real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying it's marketing. You think it's? I believe in. I do that. There, single sites exist. Single vineyards. You can say this wine over here grows a certain way because of certain the 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 the, the sun exposure, because of the soil, because of you know. But in reality, we really have to be honest. The variety that's planted matters first and foremost, right? So you can have, so I can be in Burgundy or I can be in the Rheingau and I could be, I can, and you know, over thousands of years, they figured out which varieties work best there, right? So like, oh, Pinot Noir in Burgundy or Chardonnay. Is that not a part about? And Riesling. And so what I'm saying is if all of a sudden I wanted to uh, plant Cabernet Sauvignon, right, in Burgundy and then 
I gave you Cabernet Sauvignon from Burgundy, and you could say, oh, this terroir is not appropriate for this grape and sun exposure and soil and all that sort of stuff. But if I made a fucking killer Cabernet that was in Burgundy, doesn't that sort of, and that's possible. I understand what you're saying. To do. So all I'm saying is I believe in terroir. I'm saying I don't think it has as important a role to play. I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think it's look over at my left hand right here as I steal your watch from you in magic because I can say terroir, 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 but if in the vineyard I'm inoculating with yeast, of course, I'm the, filtering. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you that that. Um, you what know. I was saying is that when a wine, when I meet a winemaker and they say I don't filter, I don't inoculate with yeast, and I farm organically, that I'm like, okay, you're cool. But if you're like, <laughs> you just went back to something like ten minutes ago. But if but if they're like, well, because this, this is where I'm going back. But if they say terroir and then they talk about their winemaker, I know that they're not natural. So yeah, I I I think though to rebuttal your terroir, terroir. Um, I think the most important thing for our wine is for it to taste where it's from, like for it to taste like like the land that it that it's that it came from and i'm not saying i agree with you completely do you because you just had a whole thing about you how you don't how you think that that's smoke and mirrors i think talking about what i meant i said talking about terroir i ter- terroir exists terroir exists it's and real. i think yeah terroir is real and it exists and i also think that like but it doesn't overpower variety and winemaker i but i think that it it's what what I think a good wine, regardless of the variety or the winemaker, should be trying to express its terroir. And it's up to the winemaker to see that. It's up to the winemaker to see that and do that. And there's a lot of winemakers that don't care for that, and that's fine. Like what we said about natural wine. It's it's so made in the the winery. It's it's, it's so made in the winery, and it it really depends on what what the winemaker wants to do. But for me, I think that what makes a wine real... And it's someone that... You know, for those of you who are like, who the fuck is this bitch talking? You know, I write about wine, um, but I got started writing about wine in 2011 because I would open a bottle of wine and I loved that it could take me somewhere, that I could taste a place that maybe I'd never been to. Like, I was so broke in my 20s. I moved to LA to be a a, a comedy writer and had three day jobs and I was, you know... I had nothing like I, you know, like people spend like summers abroad. Like, no, I never like the first time I went to Europe was like five years ago because I never had the money to do that. But she's lying. She's never been to Europe. <laughs> I've never been to Europe. She's been well, to LaGuardia. I've been to LaGuardia and I've just photoshopped everything on my Instagram. <laughs> but, you know, a, to me, I think terroir is so important. And the word of that is very important because, you know, as someone that wasn't able to travel, as someone that wasn't able to do these things, I could open a bottle of wine and taste a place that I had never been to, and I could still taste it. You know, you can. I, I'm I'm sorry, like you can taste you can you can taste a winery that's like close to the sea versus one that isn't. You can taste like sandiness or salinity or like all these different things. And but the winemaker, the winemaker, the winemaker has can't to make see that the hand choice. movements I'm making. They're focused it in on that. Yes. That wasn't just cart. Like it wasn't like. They but got- to say that like if, a, if someone brings up the word terroir, you're going to write them off. I think that that's fucking bullshit. No, I'm saying that 
if that's where they lead, if they lead with terroir. Because I think if leading with, I think leading with terroir is a great thing. I, th- I, 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 I like think of it like Steinway pianos, right? Like if I meet you and you're a musician and you're a pianist, and I'm like, oh my god, you're a pianist. What kind of pianist are you? And they're what kind like, of pianist are you? And they're like, and they're like, I'm a Harvey Weinstein. I'm a Steinway player. I play on a Steinway. I'd be like, fuck you, you elitist piece of shit. I just want to know if you play jazz or so like. So you don't like. So you don't like the word terroir because you think it's elitist. To some degree, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I think that terroir is something that's been like um, kind of cast it's why, aside. Like, it's like why Burgundy is more valuable than Loire. Uh, but I don't think that's true. I think it depends on what you value out of terroir. But because like Burgundy is definitely more valuable. Like it's expensive. It on, it like de- the land, per, like of course, square but, hectare. But I'm talking about like the actual taste of it. Like I think that there's like... No, of like, course. But I'm know. talking about it's, it's the reason why Burgundy is a more expensive place to but, buy land. But here's a great... I can I well, can play music on my Wurlitzer just as well as I can on my Steinway. Okay, what I was gonna say is that this makes a great point that no matter what, the fact that we're using the word terroir and we are able to have a conversation about what terroir is and means to both of us shows how important the common like common language is. You know, like <sighs> yeah, you're <laughs> you did a great job. That was so it doesn't matter, like because you're talking about terroir from like a a buyer standpoint from like a, and you have such a different background than I do in terms of like where you came from. To me, I don't, I don't, because I started as a consumer drinking two buck truck, I don't look at regions as one region being better than another region. I don't really like, I don't give a fuck about like Bordeaux versus Burgundy versus the Loire or whatever. To me, terroir is important just because I want to taste the land. Like I want to taste where it's from. Like I want to taste that, and and it's not about like it's not about one piece of land being more important or more expensive, which like kind of just shows like right when when so when Evan makes wine in Utah, you want to taste Utah, and you yes, d- and you don't care if Utah tastes different, and you're not going to necessarily label it as better or worse than no, because I don't think that there's I don't, I mean of course there's better places to grow wine than others, but there's also you know, better, like you were talking about, there's better varieties to grow yeah. in different places. And there's than also others. better like vineyard managers than others. So like one vineyard manager in one region is going to be better. Like, so I, you know, he's in a shitty, technically a shitty region, but he's an incredible, or she is an incredible vineyard manager. And if they're using the right grapes. Right. So she does a great job versus the person who's in Burgundy who technically has better terroir, but is making shittier wine because she... Because they're relying on terroir entirely. Exactly. That's where I say I don't trust terroir. So when when I don't trust terroir, I'm talking about when a winemaker comes to me and they lead with terroir, I know that it's because they have nothing else yeah. to back it up. See, for me, when I taste the wine, I want to taste terroir because if they cannot taste the terroir, then I feel that there is no winemaking behind it. A great winemaker should... Is- work towards terroir a great uh, yes i think that it because why are you making but a great winemaker shouldn't lead with terroir for me i don't know though i want them to say that they're doing everything in their power to make sure the terroir is represented but that's that's but that's the same thing right but that i'm talking about how they lead right so they have to come in you're talking about salesmanship that's what we talked about that's what I was talking about. You're talking about salesmanship. I'm saying when I t- meet a winemaker and they start with, I use low, you know, I use native yeast, I don't filter, and I organically farm, I give them immediately a pass because I know they're starting with that. 
So that means that whatever they're doing, they're doing to make sure that their terroir is. But what if they're just a shy winemaker and they just are nervous and then they say terroir, but they mean all that. Take some classes at your community college to (laughs) learn how to be a public speaker. I just don't like, I don't like it. No, no, I think that you've been burned as a wine buyer. That's probably true. But we're not even, we're a natural wine podcast. We know that the people (laughs) are not even, why do you keep bringing up like terroir and inoculated yeast? Because I feel like that's like the biggest thing. No, it's because you've been burned. (laughs) You've been burned by people that like came to you and was like, Mm. I'm all about terroir and then didn't tell you that they inoculated and then you got fucking burned. But again, this goes back to what I was saying. Like we are able to have a conversation about two different sides of really the wine industry in a way. And like, because as, as someone that used to buy and as a consumer as someone in, and as, and as both of us as avid drinkers, you know, we're able to use the word terroir to have this conversation. And if someone decided that terroir decided to mean, you know, um, actually terroir is only, uh, the, the flooring of the cellar. That's it. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I use I use uh, what's it called parquet. Yeah, it's only parquet. That's my that's my terroir in in my cellar. Yeah, and that's what I base my wine off of. And then you're like, wait, what? That's not terroir at all. But the fact that we have a common understanding of what terroir is, which I guess for everyone listening, if you don't know, terroir is the land flooring on your vin. No. Yes, yes, flooring <laughs> of your cellar and your kitchen. Um, my terroir. Um, I hope Linoleum. one day. It's not linoleum. It's fucking wood. It's, it's legit wood. And I hope one day for it to be Spanish goddamn tiles. But, um, you know, terroir is the land on which, um, you know, the, the vineyard is. Um, all of the rock and dirt and all of that sun shit. Sun exposure. Sun exposure. The climate, um, climate, vegetation, um, animal life, everything that is. I used to describe it this way. So genetically speaking, I am a person, right? By my genetics. I don't know. I was born in Los Angeles. Sure? Yeah, I was born in Los Angeles. Where I was born determined certain things about me. I could take my yeah, same Yeah, you're wearing a backwards hat. I could take my same genetic You say ma- yogurt. I could say my same same genetic makeup and I could have been born in New York and my the way I spoke You'd be a monster. I'd be wearing Timberlands. It would have been a whole different thing. So that's terroir. It's 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 where you're raised. Yes. And but not it, because and, you weren't from the ground. And how it def- well, and how it defines you. I can say humans have their own personal terroir. So we've talked about how some words and how a lot of words definitely have meaning and definition that we want to stick to. But at the same time, there's a ton of words that I kind of think don't fucking matter. Adam, what are some words that you don't think fucking matter? Um, to quote ZZ Top, legs, <laughs> legs, legs. Legs are so legs. I think there's such a common misconception about what legs are. Everyone's like, it's the quality of the wine. I'm like, dude, that's the sh- the, the the sugar. I've and heard alcohol. it's like, yeah, I've heard sugar and alcohol, but like, I don't think that I don't know to be honest. And, and I'm sure there's like a scientific thing, but it, it no way denotes quality. No, and also just like stop fucking caring because it actually does denote sugar and alcohol. It's like an alcohol content thing. But if you want to know the alcohol content of your wine, look on the goddamn label. You don't need to look at the goddamn legs. Like, what are you going to, like, ooh. So legs definitely, I think, is something that you don't need to care about. Yeah. I think uh, that can just go. I think that people should just stop talking about it outside of like, look how pretty actually, they are. Actually, it's like, no, because it's like a signifier. Like I said earlier, when they start with terroir, it's a signifier as someone in the wine industry that like. 
No one cares. No one cares. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. Unless you're just like, ooh, the legs are pretty and I want to get it on my gram like for a cool photo. I don't want to hear about it. Goodbye, moon man. Another word. Let's see. What else in wine do I think is irrelevant that people don't need to talk about? Or it's not even that. Like I guess like words that I just... Think, I, on it, words so, that don't matter as much as people think that they do. I think dry. Like I know that it has a meaning and a definition, but I feel like people use it in a wrong way. And I think that you can... I'm sorry. Someone like... Someone's blowing a whistle. And and like, is T.I. outside my house? Blow the whistle. Okay. So, blow the whistle. No, hold on. No. So, I was saying dry. And dry has a serious, solid definition. I think that But people use it wrong. And people don't use dry appropriately. So, dry just means whether there's residual sugar or not. But people say, I want a dry wine. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you need to re... You either need to learn what the actual definition is or just stop using that word in general. I think that I, I, I'm going to disagree with you only because on the on the behalf of the consumer that maybe doesn't know as much about wine as anyone else, if they're in a restaurant or they're somewhere and they don't know it a ton, to say that they do want a dry wine is actually progressive for them. That's That's good for them to at least like give some sort of Descriptor. I, I guess, but like, when was the last time you went to a restaurant and you ordered a glass of wine and it was sweet? Not intentionally but ordering people don't a sweet wine. But people don't understand that sweet doesn't mean fruity. Most people think that when they say sweet, when most people say, when most consumers say sweet, they actually mean fruity. Quick trick. If you think a wine might be sweet and you're like, is it sweet or is it fruity? Um, plug your nose and drink it. If it still tastes sweet, it's sweet. Oh, that's it, great. I love that. Yeah, because I thought you were gonna be like pour it on your body, and if you're sticky, it's sweet. Well, that too. <laughs> but we already talked about me and Zinfandel, so we're done there. Um, no, no. Um, so because sweet is a sensation. Yeah, totally. It, that makes total sense. Sweet is a sensation sense. versus fruity is a um, is an aroma, and so a lot. I I think I agree with you that I think that most people use dry and sweet poorly but for the general consumer i still think that dry is not a bad descriptor no no like, dry is not i guess what i'm saying is there needs to be i don't i don't care if you say you like dry wine i like dry wines tell me you like sweet wines or don't say anything at all so i mean i think okay so you say dry can go or i guess yeah not dry dry just yeah fuck it i don't even want it i don't even need it you don't want also, no because there's also wines that are like totally have residual sugar but then how and, else would to- you ex- and taste dry like you can taste them and nine people out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10 are going to say dry wine. And they're like, fuck you, seven grams of residual sugar. And like that exists. That's real. That's like a real yeah. thing. But I think for, for a consumer going into bio wine. Why do you need to declare that you like dry wine? Well, no, I just think that it's important for consumers to develop confidence and to be able to describe wines that they like in whatever ways they can as they build their palate. This wine we're tasting has a lot of fruit to it. Absolutely. It could be perceived by somebody as sweet. But it's not. But it's not. It's dry. It's dry. So I don't need them to say this is sweet when in fact that definition is incorrect. What I'm saying is I don't need to have like a semantic argument with a consumer who doesn't understand sweet and dry. But don't but let's put yourself back in um, your psalm days, yeah, yeah, yeah. sommelier days. Um, I just I, wouldn't we actually you pr- refer to it as hashtag sommelier. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, let's t- hashtag TBT to hashtag psalm life. Yes, thank you. Um, 
isn't it important for consumers to give you as much information as they can about what they do and don't like? To some degree, yes. But when, like we said, when they use words that they don't understand the definition of, i.e., dry. But I think the dry gets in the way of stuff. You think, but I think the dry is a good place for people to start. No, but a lot of people will use dry as tannin. Yes. A lot of people will use dry as acidity. So I still think that, I mean, for me, I still think that dry is not a bad place for a consumer to start if, like, they know nothing about wine. Well, we can wine. both agree legs fucking are stupid. Legs are stupid. <laughs> dry, I, I agree with you, but I think that I think that um, the dry sweetness thing is, again, about education. Yeah. You know? It, 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 it's, and that's, and, and for anybody who works the floor of any restaurant or works a wine bar or works in a, a yeah, wine don't, shop. Yeah, like, don't be like, now all these people are going to be like, um, I heard on this podcast, dry is fucking stupid. So and, fuck uh, you. No, but but I'm saying no, just talk I, to people. Use real language. No, I get it because that's the way I write about wines. Right, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I tell people to read wine all the time because speak like it's that. It's the fucking best. Speak like that. That's the language that people understand. That's where language comes in. Like, use common language people understand. Use common language, but you also have to Try use... Try people don't understand. I agree that there needs to be a better understanding of what dry... So what what is dry to you then? Dry technically means no sugar, but you can taste a wine that tastes dry that has sugar. That exists. You can have a wine that has a shit ton of acidity and residual sugar. But then if someone at a restaurant that you were working at said, I want a dry wine and you still brought that wine out and they were happy with it, then why, like, you still gave them what they wanted? But I'm, what I'm saying is it's a word that has, has lost meaning because I can give you a wine that technically is not dry, technically, and you will perceive it as dry. So you will drink it and go, that dry wine was very good. And in the back of my head, I'm like, ha-ha, joke's on you, three grams residual sugar in that wine. The word doesn't matter, but I think that th- that's still an important word for a consumer. To say that they want to drink a wine that is perceived to not be if they- sweet... Yes, because I think that there, I think that it's hard for a lot of consumers. Like you were a sommelier, like I, this wine I is used, so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think even now, like I, I can. I mean, some people consider me a wine professional, um, but someone that knows a lot about wine, like I will still say that I want. Like I, I, I will still use the word dry. For me, dry is a malleable word. Yeah. It's, it doesn't need to go. I think that it still has... I think that dry still has some posi- some positivity to it. Legs, there's nothing positive about it. It's just like fucking like a, an optical illusion in your fucking glass. Like, who the fuck cares? I guess it's not an optical illusion. It's actually just like optics. But... Um, no, I just think it's... Uh, I think that language can change, but we also have to start with education and like move forward with that and like always be... Right, if we had started the conversation as skin contact, not orange. Yes. It would have been a better way to start. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's like the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying it's like totally... Right. Um, so the finishes um, have respect for words that matter and throw away the ones that don't, like legs. I guess legs is the only one that we decided didn't <laughs> matter. So have respect for words. Don't give a fuck about legs unless they're mine because they're great. And uh, like and comment. And if you want... No, I don't know. I just hear that on other like, things. Like, comment, and subscribe. Actually, don't comment because you're going to say something shitty. No, like- I was going to say, like, it, we don't have... It's this is. It would be cool to comment to see the other words that people are like done with in wine. Well, maybe on our Instagram you will be able to do that. Okay. DM us at Natural Disaster Pod. 
on Instagram. Yeah. And like, I don't know. You can you can you can send us stuff. We're yeah. we're we we really only care about us and people that care about us. Yeah, Adam likes uh, feet pics. No, third. Yeah, wow. Well, I I knew it wasn't. True. It obviously wasn't true because you started talking in the third person. You're like Adam likes this. I'm like Marissa likes chocolate pudding. It's like what? Marissa likes chocolate pudding. Adam likes feet. <laughs> But we talked about feet in the last podcast. So maybe I don't like feet. I'm just, I think it's funny. This is funny. the second time you brought up feet, so I don't know. It's either a great joke like uh, sustainable toilet <laughs> stuff or or you just really love feet and your wife is at home like, God fucking damn No, because she would be like, absolutely, he doesn't like feet because she always wants her feet massaged. Oh, see, I never want my feet massaged. <laughs> and then Ben was like, I'll massage your feet. And I was like, Okay. Wait, every night, once her feet massaged, every night. Why? Have you ever done it once? I've done it every night. I do it every day. Aww. But it's not like it's it's always very reluctantly. Um, I'm not. So no, it's not as nice as you. It, like if. How long do you do it for? Maybe a minute each foot. Two minutes. <laughs> that's max. a good. That's a good. That's a good amount of time. Because I I know it feels like an eternity when you're <laughs> massaging someone else. No one. Hey hey, a hot tip is someone that's been in a relationship for nine years. No one likes giving massages. If your partner is giving you a massage, oh, they try, hate you. They hate you. They're doing it because they love you, and they fucking hate you in that moment. For yeah, sure. I would rather. I love my wife. And I think she's amazing, but yeah, I don't want to. I, just, I love my husband. I'll like be rubbing his back, and I'm like, I'm done. has it been thirty seconds? <laughs> like, like, it's, it's like my this? hands are so small, and your back. Can you is imagine so big. being a professional masseuse? You would have to love it as much as we love natural wine. How is that possible? You would have to love it as much as we love wine. Maybe there's a correlation between people who like natural wine and hate giving massages. I just think that most people hate getting massages and everyone loves getting massages and that's why there's an entire profession that pays people to give them to you. And it's not cheap. It's not like it's, it's not like no. you can get like, oh, I got a $4 massage. No, no. Like all massages are expensive. Also, if there was a They're all luxuries. If a $4, if it was a $4 massage, it would be just as good as like the Rex and Goliath $4 wine you get from the gas station. See, I would thought you were going to say a $4 massage is just as good as a $200 massage. Because oh, no. I feel like the person who's doing it for $4 would probably do it for free. They might be better than the $200 massage. As someone that has a lot of shoulder problems, I think that it's worth paying for a massage. Really? Yeah, because I'm... A, look at how... Uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm I, not surprised and, by your shoulder problems. I'm surprised by the, the cost. Listen, no. You pay for what something is worth. That's, why, ever, that's have, why natural wine is not $2. Have you ever had a good massage... Or paid for a quality massage and it not been quality? No. So every time it's quality. Maybe that's the difference between a less expensive massage. Or maybe maybe it just feels good to have hands on your back. That's what I was saying. Like the, the, All massages are good massages, right? Mm. I'm not a massage person. I don't get massage. I never, ever. I don't ever. think that all massage. I, 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 I can just tell when my husband's not into it. <laughs> <laughs> Like with most things, I can just tell he's not into it. That's fine. He's like, uh, you want to watch some Rick and Morty episodes? I'm like, yes. Yeah. He's like, oh man, I never have to give him a massage again. Um, I don't ask my husband for massages very often. I just, I go pay for them. Um, anyways, We've, so I think we're, do we have enough? We're finished. Here. Do you think we have enough? If if this isn't enough, then we'll never be enough. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, yeah, we have to say goodbye. This is the hold hardest on, part. On, this is burp. the hardest part. No, hold on. I, I feel like I got to burp. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on the second episode of Natural Disasters uh, with me, Marissa, and... Adam. And um, we hope you join us again. And we promise it will get better. It's going to get better. And better. And, and better. better. And better. Go look up the Ira Glass quote, all right? Yeah. It's all about closing the gap and drinking more wine. But, uh... Hold on, I guess should I Ross us real quick? We have to say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Bye.